Mother Nature. You mentioned once visiting a world without Mother Nature. Um, yeah, it's true. What does this mean? <laughs> okay. Um, it means that there were no plants, no trees, no animals, nothing, no bugs. Very, very few people. It's just rocks and dirt. It was red rocks and red dirt. Yeah, that, that was it. Um, uh, so then the next question is, why is there a personification of nature? Um, because nature nurtures and mothers the kind of life that we are. And so we, we refer to that as the great mother, mother nature. So um, the, the next question is, what is the mother-father relation to? I'm not sure how, that, how to take that question. What is, it's not worded very well. What is the mother-father relation related to? Um, the mother and the father, actually, those terms refer to the two forces um, that are needed to generate life. You have to have um, the source, and then you have to have motion. And, and the motion is, you know, the mother and the father, <laughs> okay? So um, they come together and they, um, you just end up with all sorts of creative stuff. <laughs> um, once you have motion, anything is possible, okay? Um, then the next question is, uh, hmm. is it one consciousness? Does it all work together? meaning plants, animals, soils, elements. Um, no, it's not one consciousness. It is one source. It's one ability to, to be aware. And that's at the basis of, every, of all consciousness. But consciousness is different. Um, source is the ability to say, I am. And consciousness is um, you know all the different forms of life, whether those are plants, animals, soil, elements, bugs, birds, butterflies, people, uh, whatever. Each one has a different kind of consciousness. Each consciousness is unique. Your consciousness is your is the result of your frequency set, your matrix, and so each consciousness is a little bit different, just a little bit like a fingerprint so and yes it does all work together um next question in this whole series do the earth beings dream and do they create do they have self-determination and free will so um i'm gonna say yes it isn't clear what earth beings we're talking about here, but doesn't really matter. Um, everything dreams, plants, animals, rocks, people, planets, everything dreams. Okay. Um, 
you know, people, I've had people say to me, well, well, what is a rock dream about? <laughs> and, and so I ask one of them, we have a couple of rocks here that are very, very aware and have spoken to a lot of students who have been here. And I said, what do you dream about? And he said, I dream about being able to enter other states, other forms, other planets, other places where I could be liquid or I could be, um, have a different composition and see what that's like. I was like, oh, <laughs> totally surprised at that answer. Plants dream also, they dream, they dream of their offspring, their seeds. Um, they dream of the world that they would love to live in. They try to, I'm going to say it this way, every living thing creates a niche that is best suited to their continued existence. And that's what plants dream of, the ideal niche. Um, animals do the same thing. So, um, and certainly people do. <laughs> people are building their niche everywhere across the planet. Um, is there a way station for animals, trees, and flowers? Um, yeah, but it's not separate from the human way station. The whole thing works together. Plants, animals, people. Um, some planets do not have... Um, do not have animals or bugs or things like that, but some do. Some have gorgeous plants and trees. And, um, and, and one of the things that I'll just plant this little seed, one of the things that an awake and aware population does is in this, um, you know, this ability to create their niche is to revamp their entire planet so it is beautiful so that it is nurturing so that it's the weather is perfect the temperature is perfect there's there's a lot of stuff that we suffer here um now partly because our planet is unstable but um, the other half of what would make the planet more stable is the people and we're not very stable. We are in absolutely emotional uproar almost all the time. If we're not fighting, you know, um, there's something else going on. So, yeah, we, there's, the term is called terraforming. Um, when you take charge of a planet and decide that you're going to make it beautiful and perfect for your people. But, um you try to pick a planet that is, uh, doesn't have a kind of uproar or isn't subject to as much disruption from its star as we are. We're really close to our star. Um, we're only, what, the third planet out from the sun. So, um, okay. Yeah, the way station, um, I've been to two of them. I've seen four or five from a distance, but um, the ones, the two that I've been to, beautiful, beautiful flowers, stunningly clean rivers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, absolutely clean. Just beautiful. 
So, um, so then somebody asks a question about animals, a whole bunch of questions about animals. Um, and says, um, so animals, do they play a part in creating a reality system? Oh my gosh, yes. They are here to work right alongside us. When we have the correct relationship with um, animals, animals and plants and insects and birds and whatever, what we learn to do is to work with animals and they work with us, everybody, everybody benefits. That's part of the process of what I call terraforming. Yeah, if you, um, you know, if, if you need a heavy load or you need something moved down or you need a tall, you get a giraffe or you need something pushed over, you get an elephant. If you need to dig a huge hole of sand, you work with the ants. Um, if you want to make new kinds of flowers, you direct the bees. Uh, there's just a whole lot of, uh, of stuff that animals are here to be for us, but we've lost that relationship. So it's, uh, it's really sad what's happening. I have to give credit to the cats and the dogs of the world. They're trying their damnedest to make us aware that they think, they feel, um, they're smart, they're trying to communicate. Where are we? You know, we're not, well, people who have pets that they love are learning that. It just has to be extrapolated to the rest of the animal kingdom and the bird and snakes and fish and whatever kingdom. Okay. We used to say, feed me. I need to be fed. Is there anybody out there that would wants to leave here or is ready to leave and that animal or fish or insect or whatever would plop itself down in front of us. Um, it, it's just not the way that we work anymore. So um, what is the difference between their consciousness and human consciousness? Well, that's a good question. Um, the difference is in what they eat, what they're interested in eating how they mate, um, what their skills are, what they're interested in, etc. Their consciousness is interested in many of the same things that we are, but only from an animal point of view. Um, the, the matrix of frequencies that makes up the animal is the, um, sets the intent of what that animal will eat, how it will behave, where it will look for food, what it's willing to do to get it, um, how much it's willing to nurture other animals, because animals do nurture others. Um, you know, they, they don't just kill for the thrill of killing. They only kill when they need to eat. Um, let's see, so all of that, um, the human consciousness, very, very much more complex in some ways, um, and is a step up in some ways, but in other ways, animals are pretty smart. Very smart. Wow. 
Um, when you live with animals on a farm, um, you begin to trust that that certain messages are going to come, certain indicators are going to be there, certain behaviors are going to show you something that you didn't notice happening, etc. Um, the the stories I could tell are amazing. Um, all of those stories are are ways that I have learned to rely on animals, even though I live inside a house and it's closed up in the winter and it's often closed on the hot days in the summer. I still have an ear out for what's going on with the birds, what's happening with the cows across the road. Um, you know, what are the messages coming? What do I hear moving around? Um, yesterday I heard a bird call I've never heard before. I was like, what is that? I, I don't know what it was. Um, very unusual, um, that kind of thing. And they warn. And so if you learn a little bit of bird language, they warn um, what's happening. They tell you what's going on elsewhere. So um, you just need to learn to pay attention to that and take it seriously because it is serious. They're in it for life and death. We are much more in it for amusement, a lot of people, uh, etc. Uh, do animals dream? Yes, I answered that above. They not only dream about us, they dream with us. Um, they dream, they, they dream out or, or experience their fears. They have nightmares from time to time. Um, they are just like people. We're all the same. Just different. Can I say that? It's paradoxical. Um, let's see. What happens to them now with all that's happening, i.e. colonization? Um, Okay, what happens to them is the same thing that happens to us. They're in it for better or for worse, just like we are. Um, where do they go when they die? Um, this is a, that's a good question. If an animal, let's say you have a pet hamster or a cat or a dog or a cow or a goose or a chicken or whatever, um, if that animal is well loved and well taken care of and you bother trying to communicate with it, then it begins to understand humanity and the levels of consciousness that are available out there. And, and they, when they die, if they've been well loved, they make a huge effort to hold themselves together as a unique individual consciousness that can be later inserted or take up residence in another kind of container, another body um, that might be a little more sophisticated, might be a little more intelligent, might have animals like different kinds of experiences you know, one might want to be a dolphin one lifetime and a cat another lifetime, etc. So um, they their work is the same as ours to be um, able to maintain an individual uh, frequency set whether they have a body or not. 
and to recreate a body by virtue of their intent to say, I am. So I have uh, seen animals, cows, moose, geese, you know, whatever, at the way station. Okay. Um, do they also have a potential for eternal life? Why or why not? Yes, because we all move toward eternity together, even the planet. That's the planet's dream. Okay. Um, yes, yes, yes. Some stay in the lower realms. Some animals stay in the lower realms because they demonstrate the variety um, that because those realms uh, demonstrate the variety that exists in consciousness for other animals. Some animals are very old souls and very wise. Okay. Um, and, and so every realm has its, um, its characteristic animal forms and the level of consciousness they exhibit. So in some, some realms have no animals, but a lot of them do. So some realms have no plants, but a lot do. Okay. Um, so, and then uh, Eric asks a question, says, I have a question for you. And this is very similar to what we were just talking about. Um, I have a question maybe you can touch on in a video. I'm sure many would be interested in. It's about the nature of pets or the concept of pets. Do they have people on other planets that have animals as pets like we do? Yes. If so, what are their pets like? Um, like what kind of animal or life form? A lot of birds, a lot of bird life are pets. Um, some in the, um, some, in some of the water worlds, um, pets are certain kinds of fish or certain kinds of critters <laughs> that live in the water. Um, you know, and there are animals on other planets. Some are wild-like and maybe kind of dangerous. Others are not. They're just friendly and normal as, you know, the neighbor's dog, assuming you have a friendly neighbor and a friendly neighbor's dog. <laughs> okay. Um, what is in terms of their form, they, I'm going to say that except for the birds, I haven't seen very many other forms. However, I have seen, uh, these things that, um, I don't know. I don't know what they, they're as big as a hippopotamus or a rhinoceros but they, they're shaped differently. Um, they're long and, and they have a different kind of snout on them. It's not the big mouth of the hippopotamus and it's not the horns of the rhinoceros. It's, I'm trying to think of what it looks like. I'm gonna say it's similar to an anteater. Um, so that's just one of a few. I haven't seen all that many that are wildly different. Okay. Um, 
So let's see. Then he says, what is it that makes the bond between dogs and people so special? And why can we bond with them more easily than other forms of life compared to other animals? Um, I, you know, I don't know that I can answer that question. I think it's possible to bond with other animals just as deeply, as easily as with dogs. But if you had a pet cow, you would not be inviting the cow into the house. It, trying to train that animal to not pee and poop on the floor would be a massive job. Massive, it wouldn't be worth it. It'd be leave, the, leave the cow in the yard. Um, and so that, the fact that we live in houses and they do not is the first level of separation. However, um, animals love their people. So do the trees in your yard. If you are good to them, they love having you as their resident. They don't think of us as owning property. Trees think of us as one of the many residents who come to sit on the land for a period of time until we move on. We sell the house and go, um, etc. But um, the bond between dogs um, and people it's old, it's very old. However, there used to be that kind of bond with bear, with tigers and lions, with, with everything, with elephants, with birds, with, um, with everything. We have moved away from that. We left those relationships. They have grieved ever since. They have feared us ever since. Okay. Um, okay. Next question. Let's see here. Oh, John. Um, somebody says, hi, Penny. Hi, John Claude. Um, must have been from one of our live streams. Could you share what happens to our pets if we are, if we asked to be picked up and have to leave abruptly? You know, they stay behind. They stay. It's the same thing as if you die. They grieve, you grieve. You miss one another. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. We, I don't know how to comfort anybody who's going to have to face that kind of thing. It'd be sad. I'm at the point where I'm never going to have another dog because I can't stand the grief of having to let them go. And I just, I was taking care of my son's dog for on and off for the last year and she just moved out to Colorado last week. So some, hmm. Kind of hard. 